0: Hello and welcome to Dialogues in Dermatology. I'm Dr. Lauren Council, your Editor-in-Chief. We have another exciting podcast for you today. We hope that you enjoy. So welcome to Dialogues in Dermatology. I am Ivy Lee. I'm a board-certified dermatologist in private practice in Pasadena, California, and the former chair of the Telemedicine Task Force in the American Academy of Dermatology, and I am the current chair of the American Telemedicine Association Teledermatology Special Interest Group. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing and gleaning pearls from Dr. Samal Desai, who is a founder of Innovative Dermatology in Plano, Texas. He is also the Clinical Assistant Professor of Dermatology at UT Southwestern and a board of directors at the American Academy of Dermatology. We are so grateful for his generosity in his time and expertise, especially as we talk about this incredibly timely topic of teledermatology and the hybrid workflow. Thank you, Dr. Desai, for joining us.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be with you.
0: So as the whole world has changed in regards to this public health emergency, we have seen how our specialty has really been just a wonderful example of grit and resilience and adaptability. And Dr. Desai has led the way in terms of adapting and pivoting his practice during this pandemic. Dr. Desai, as the whole world and our practices shut down in March. Do you mind sharing how your practices adapted and incorporated teledermatology in this brave new world we're living in?
1: Well, first of all, Ivy, thank you so much for setting up this time for us to talk with our members on this really critically important topic. And though I am not a telemedicine expert, I can tell you I have learned so much about telemedicine and teledermatology during the past, four to five months, which feels like an eternity already, but it's it's crazy how time has flown by. I will tell you that we have two private practice offices in the North Dallas area that really never embraced telemedicine. I was sort of someone who did not expect a need to do telemedicine. And then literally you get a shelter in place order in a matter of days, and your entire world is turned upside down. And that's really what happened to our practice. My goal in adapting telemedicine and teledermatology into my day-to-day practice was predominantly to maintain access for patients who needed to at least be seen for a certain dermatologic indication, and also, frankly, to keep patient flow as best as I could up so that I could frankly afford to keep my office open and pay my staff. And we literally flipped the switch on telederm overnight from uploading a consent form, which we drafted with using guidance from the Academy, from the Texas Medical Association and other groups and getting that consent form uploaded to our website to changing our voice recording, encouraging patients to be aware that we're now offering telemedicine. And I think the biggest trigger for us was when the Office of Civil Rights through the Department of Health and Human Services allowed for non-HIPAA compliant platforms to be able to be used due to the public health emergency. So that really was where we had our critical turning point, And I would say within a matter of six hours in one day, I, I remember it was a Wednesday. And by Thursday morning, we already started seeing patients virtually. So we were sort of forced into it. And frankly, if I wasn't forced into it, I probably never would have done it. Looking back where we are now, almost in August, I can tell you there's been a lot of highs with Telederm and there's also been lows. So it's been certainly a very unique experience to say the least.
0: Dr. Desai, as you speak about your agile adoption of telehealth, and you've really kind of accelerated this in hyperspeed, we would love to hear what the highs have been, as you have mentioned, but also the blind spots and the challenges that we need to be aware of as we integrate this into our practices.
1: Well, I will tell you one of the quote unquote highs for me was to be able to, especially in the month of April, because it was such a bleak such a very dark period for so many. And for our practice, it was a very dark, scary time. My goal was to see as many patients as I could that needed me, that felt comfortable in seeing me and being able to make them feel that, hey, I'm still here, even if they can't come to the office. So I think one of the highs was still being able to provide care for my patients. And many of them were so grateful that we were still doing this. And I will mention that We were doing this from the office. I would actually be doing Telederm from my practice, taking each video visit into an exam room, just like if the patient was here in the office, using our tablet devices, then to, quote, walk the patient to the checkout window, just like if they were here. And we did this because I wanted to also keep my staff employed and Mm -hmm. keep the staff coming to the office for a purpose and a reason. And... For me, it was if I can emulate as much of an in-office visit with a telemedicine patient as possible, then I can provide care and still keep everyone employed. So one of the highs was being able to do it and just be there for the patient. And then the other high was looking back on the fact that we didn't have to furlough or terminate or fire one single employee. We kept everyone on payroll. We kept everyone coming to the office somehow. We certainly... Didn't even cover our costs because our volume some days was so low. But the fact of the matter is we were here and we were trying to get through such a dark period. And unfortunately, we're kind of, I think, back in this very hard place in our journey in this pandemic because, yes, we've come a long way, but it's still a lot of uncertainty.
0: I think it's remarkable how you really have maintained that access for your patients and to really provide that sense of normalcy for them that reassurance of seeing your friendly face and to go through their visit in your clinic setting. And I think it's remarkable what you've done in terms of your staff and really creating a sense of purpose and normalcy in their lives as well. Now, as people adopt telehealth, one of the largest questions is, what Technology and what platforms do you use? How was that decision process for you, especially as regulations were relaxed in terms of HIPAA compliance? And now, as there's more legislation questioning and determining whether this will continue or not in terms of telehealth regulations, how does that impact your decision to offer telehealth now and in the future?
1: So, and thank you so much for your support, Ivy. That that means a lot, and I appreciate you recognizing how challenging this has been for so many board-certified dermatologists and academy members. I think I just represent one voice within this entire sea of so many voices of unique experiences. But for us, the platform choice was probably one of the most challenging reasons for me to resist doing Telederm thus far is because, to be honest, I was not comfortable signing up for subscription agreements with various companies. I didn't know which company to pick. You know, if this was just a normal period in our life and we had this conversation last year, it's very overwhelming. Signing another contract, figuring out how to get that application downloaded, figuring out who of my staff have access to it, sending paperwork to patients. How do they link to it? How do you invite patients? A lot of it was so overwhelming that frankly, on the day-to-day running of my business, It just wasn't a priority last year. What helped me this year to flip the switch so fast was being allowed to use FaceTime and Skype and Google Duo and these other synchronous quote-unquote video technologies that I was comfortable using because I knew the government wasn't going to come after me with a $100,000 HIPAA fine Mm -hmm. for doing so. And also, frankly... Using FaceTime and Google Duo, by the way, which are two of the probably most frequently used of our platforms, and and I have no financial conflicts with any of the platforms, both HIPAA or non-HIPAA related, but uh, I will just tell you that those are the two that we've used the most frequently is FaceTime and Google Duo. And patients at least feel more comfortable using those, I feel, than even me saying I've got a HIPAA compliant one for which I'll send you an invitation link. You click and download it and join me that way. So those have been the ones we've used. So we have not adopted any formal HIPAA compliant platforms currently. And while we have the ability to move forward with these formats, we don't plan to incorporate that either.
0: Thank you for sharing your experience, Dr. Desai. Do you mind clarifying if you're planning to continue using these platforms or if your statement was in reference to continuing offering teledermatology services in the future in your practice?
1: Thanks very much for clarifying, Dr. Lee. So I would really like to continue offering teledermatology in some form now that we have gotten more comfortable with it. And our patients certainly, I think, will have some expectation of this even in the, quote, post-COVID era. However, as long as I am able to safely use these non-HIPAA compliant one-on-one mediums like the FaceTime and the Google Duo and the Skype, we're gonna keep doing that. So I'm gonna continue to capitalize on the ability to make this flexible and accessible for my patients as long as we can. And when the rules change, if the rules change, we'll cross that bridge when we get there in terms of a specific other type of platform.
0: Great news and your patients are very lucky to have you. Some of the providers and some of the dermatologists among our membership have asked questions regarding photo quality. And do you find that as a challenge in these synchronous live interactive services? Do you feel there's need for higher quality photos and supplementation with store and forward? How do you get the best image quality, which is so critical in our visual specialty?
1: That is something that has definitely been a challenge. So even on a FaceTime visit where there's fantastic resolution, someone, let's say they have super great Wi-Fi speeds on their end, and we have a great network in our office, even with wonderful clarity, it's still hard to look at lesions. And certainly doing a total body skin exam type of visit over teledermatology is not something I advocate for. But I do have patients who say, hey, you're looking at me for my poison ivy. While I have you on the telemedicine, can you take a look at this bump? Or, oh, what do you think of this? This just happened to pop up. And so for me, the image quality has been a challenge. And a lot of times what I'll do is encourage the patient to send in a still image or an asynchronous image in advance of the visit or post-visit, and I'll still have the synchronous one-on-one interactive video conference, but I can pull up that pre-submitted image in their chart that my front office staff will then attach to their chart once it's emailed to our front office area, so I can at least look at it live and then look at the image. And I've actually been able to really see the difference. I'll give you an example. There was a very obvious basal cell carcinoma on this patient's nasal ALA that I could look at and tell very nicely on the pre-submitted image that the patient's husband took for them in advance, emailed it to us, and it was loaded in their chart. On that same patient's nose, when I asked them to come closer to their camera on their device, yes, it looked sort of like a pearly papule, but it could have easily been mistaken for an acneiform type of lesion or another type of growth because there was movement. The patient was not still. The lighting angle has certainly been a challenge of telling patients, hey, stand in front of your patio door. So at least you get the natural light facing you while you hold your iPad or your phone and try to connect with me. So image quality has certainly been a challenge and pre-submission of those images has certainly helped. But when in doubt, what we've now been doing is doing the visit over telemedicine. And if there's a question, we encourage that patient to come into the office where we're using specific guidelines to distance patients encourage masks. We keep them in their car until an exam room is available. And we're limiting the number of in-office patients for that purpose, but we encourage them to come in.
0: Wonderful. And I think the blend of not only telehealth and your in-person services really increases that efficiency for, in terms of the patient wait times as well. So that's wonderful. One of the other relaxed regulations that we've seen during this pandemic has been reimbursement and specifically reimbursement for live interactive and synchronous interactions. What has the reality been for your practice in terms of the telehealth visit reimbursement and also the patient acceptance of whether their insurance does or does not cover this and any out-of-pocket costs that they may face?
1: So the patient's concern about whether this is going to be a covered service, that was a huge hindrance to us being able to convert patients to teledermatology back in March and April. In fact, I did a, a large press interview with the Associated Press, which then got picked up by over 450 media networks nationwide about the fact that patients were scared that their visits weren't going to be reimbursed by the insurance and they were going to be stuck with a fat bill if this gets denied. And so because of that, not only were patients not wanting to come in the office or wouldn't, couldn't come because of local regulations during the lockdown and shelter in place, but even if they could do a telemedicine visit, I had patients saying, no, I don't really wanna do it. I'll just wait and schedule in a few months. Oh, I'll just call back when things get better or let's push this out to the end of the summer. Let's wait another month because of those concerns about reimbursement. I will tell you that fast forward now to July, when we look back at some of our claims from March and April, Most of those Telederm claims actually have been processed, and most of the private payers did follow Medicare rules or parallel, if you will, Medicare trends on the fact that they covered them. But every single day, my office manager and I were talking about, do we submit this claim with modifier 97, do we submit this with a point of service two or a point of service 11? What claim do we add? Is it a modifier 95? And there was a lot of times we'd submit these claims and then they'd be rejected from the clearinghouse or they would be paid at partial reimbursement rates. So then we'd have to do an appeal. And the reason we were so worried about this is because, frankly, we needed the cash flow because if those claims are delayed, we weren't getting reimbursed. If we weren't getting reimbursed, how was I supposed to make payroll? And so it was a really big challenge because there was patient fear about insurance coverage. But then there was my fear as the doctor that I'm not going to get reimbursed for this in my practice. And so am I providing a service for this patient who needs me, but they're going to get stuck with a bill and we're not going to get reimbursed. So it was a big challenge. And I wouldn't say that challenge is gone. I would say things are a little bit better on that front for sure, especially now that the public health emergency has been extended. So we know CMS will extend their rules. We just need to make sure the private pairs also follow suit.
0: I think with your sharing of your experience, you've saved us, I think, all a lot of, I think, challenges in terms of how we approach integrating teledermatology into our own practices. And I think it really just, also highlights the huge opportunity we have in terms of advocacy on an organizational level in terms of pushing forward relaxed regulations for telehealth in the future as well. Dr. Desai has been so kind to share with us his expertise and his pearls of wisdom today. He's also been incredibly generous in sharing his office's workflow that he has described during this podcast and that's available on our AAD website under practice management resources There you'll also find more information in terms of the regulations regarding telehealth, state and federal, any adoption and educational curriculums are also there, and navigation checklists. Dr. Desai, we've been so lucky to have you as a leader in our field, and thank you so much for sharing these very practical and real-world experiences with us as we adapt our practices and help our patients during these interesting times.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to speak with you, Dr. Lee, and thank you for all of your hard work in telemedicine and teledermatology. I know we as a specialty have been pioneers in telemedicine for many years, and it's really great to see our relevance in the House of Medicine continue to be at least valued during this public health emergency, which I genuinely hope we'll all be through soon. So thank you so much, and it's a privilege to serve our academy and specialty.
0: For more detailed and additional information, please see the American Academy of Dermatology's website and click on COVID or Teledermatology for the detailed workflow that Dr. Desai has kindly shared with us. In addition, they also have up-to-date billing codes, which is really incredible and relevant for reimbursement. Thank you, Dr. Desai, for joining me in this very timely Dialogues in Dermatology today. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of Dialogues in Dermatology. This is Lauren Council, your Editor-in-Chief. For more podcasts, including bonus issues, check us out online at the website of the American Academy of Dermatology or through the Dialogues in Dermatology app. You can now also sync your subscription to your favorite podcast app. New podcasts are released each week in addition to our monthly JAD podcast. We hope you enjoyed these new options for listening to Dialogues and the increased content for your listening pleasure. Thank you.